This is Sojourn Network is brought to you by the Leaders Summit, an annual training conference for church leaders put on by Sojourn Network each fall. At this year's Leaders Summit, you'll join over 450 like-minded church leaders and pastors, men and women from all over the U.S. and beyond, who dream of starting and leading whole, thriving churches. We have a stellar cast of speakers featuring James K.A. Smith and Hannah Anderson, who will navigate a host of questions and topics all centered around helping you lead thriving churches. We are also planning five pre-conferences and nearly 20 breakouts that will equip church leaders with gospel-centered truths about how to lead a wholehearted church. If you are a church leader who dreams of leading a thriving church, then Sojourn Network's Leaders Summit is the place for you. Join us in Louisville, Kentucky, October 22nd through the 24th as we cast a vision for whole, thriving churches. Early bird registration is only $149 through August 15th, so register today at theleaderssummit.com. You'll also find a host of helpful information at theleaderssummit.com. We hope to see you and your team there. Hey, this is Rusty Mackey from Sojourn Community Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and this is Sojourn Network. listening to the Sojourn Network podcast. I'm Mike Cosper. Welcome to the show. On each episode, you'll hear plasters and planters from around Sojourn Network and across the country talk about the everyday work of planting thriving churches. This season, we're focusing on origin stories, hearing how God called different leaders to the ministry and particularly to church planting. On today's episode, Nick Bogardis from Cross of Christ Church in Orange County, California, will be speaking to Jeremy and Jesse Lineman. Jeremy's the pastor of Trinity Church, and he'll be sharing the journey that took him away from med school into ministry to an internship in Louisville, and eventually back home to Columbia, Missouri to plant Trinity. It's a great conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for uh, sitting down to share your story with the network. Again, you know, part of these one of the goals of the podcast is to help people in the network, not just learn from your story, but also just get to know you a bit, you know, coming up on the retreat, you know, these won't air until after the retreat, but maybe even on the summit, people might come into the summit, seeing your face and coming into, you know, saying hi to you, knowing you, having heard this and knowing you a little better. And so that's one of the hopes. So thank you guys for doing this. Yeah. Why don't we start, Jeremy, where we started yesterday with this you know, finishing college, initially wanting to go uh, to med school, and then trying to discern this call to ministry. Would you kind of start off your story there? Yeah, so finishing up college, 2006, uh, I had gone to the University of Missouri to to study towards medicine, to go to medical school, and got a microbiology degree. Uh, but during that time, I was also feeling out a call to ministry. Uh, I was really active in Campus Crusade. Um, and when we graduated, we got married uh, that same summer and just decided to spend the first year trying to make that decision wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to some seminaries. We looked at a couple different cities, but met a church planner, Acts 29 church planner here in, in Columbia, Missouri, just through a, a sort of crazy set of circumstances and, and ended up feeling like it was the perfect opportunity, uh, a way for us to stay where we were, uh, to get involved in real life ministry and to, to learn ministry by doing it, not just reading about it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to discover what, what church planning was, was all about. Uh, so that was brand new to us at the time. Mm-hmm. Jessica, what was that process like for you of trying to discern uh, the call with Jeremy? Yeah, definitely. Well, it was interesting because we had kind of like tried out a church in town and um, got almost to the point of committing, like signing the membership thing. Mm-hmm. And um, just didn't feel like it was the right time. Um, and then similarly, we went up to Chicago and visited Trinity mm-hmm. Seminary. And it was interesting, like we were all the way in Chicago looking at classes and trying to feel out if this was the right place for us. And all we could think about was this little church back in Columbia and mm-hmm. the people that we knew. So the pastor worked at a coffee shop with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of started there and went from there with the with the church plant. Mm-hmm. Cool. You guys, how long were you with them? Three and a half years. Yeah. 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 So basically our first four, four years of marriage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were super young, but when we first started um, going there, they all thought we were like 35, which was really <laughs> funny. Um, and kind of like maybe we were a little too serious yeah. at that stage <laughs> in our lives. But yeah, we made some really dear friends. And actually when we moved to Louisville, some of our best friends 
had been the worship pastor and his wife at that church, and they moved at the same time as us. So we all started um, our time at Sojourn at the same time as them. Cool. So in the midst of serving at this church plant for three and a half years, discerning and called to ministry, you end up applying for an internship at Sojourn. Is that right, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. So those years were were really clarifying for us mm-hmm. uh, that we did want to do ministry, and I was never never paid at, at the church plant. You know, I just raised money and was a was mm-hmm. an intern. So we still had this dream of getting into vocational ministry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. let me jump in there real quick because I, I mm-hmm. imagine people are listening. Um, you know, uh, husbands and wives who are trying to discern that calling, and you just said yeah. it was really clarifying for you. How was mm-hmm. it clarifying for people who might be in that phase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I think it was uh, a combination of uh, our own desire, just wanting more and more to remain in uh, active in church ministry, seeing mm-hmm. the Lord do really cool things around us and through us. And we had a lot of affirmation uh, from the people, the elders and people who are most involved in the church and in our lives. And then, you know, as we started exploring moving to Louisville and, and doing a sojourn internship, that was another source of affirmation. So pretty much everybody around us was saying this was, you know, this was a good fit in general, as, as a call mm-hmm. to ministry. We actually explored church planning at that point when we were 25, 26. And most people were like, nah, maybe hold off on that. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's give it a few more years, yeah. which is really good advice. Yeah. That's good. So then how did you end up at, at Sojourn? So I, we had known about Sojourn for a while, and they had kind of been a big brother-type church to us. And so I had reached out the, you know, the website said they had an internship. So I filled out a form online and, and applied. And ended up on a, I think, a Skype call with Brian Howard. Mm-hmm. And Brian was in the process of moving from California to Louisville. So we, we talked back and forth, felt like it was, a, it was a good fit. And we basically just decided to, to make the leap and, and move to Louisville to do this, this internship, you know, kind of a self-funded 20-hour-a-week internship, uh, which would allow me to get a, a seminary degree at Southern as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was kind of the initial draw to Louisville. Mm-hmm. And then, so what was that transition like for you, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesse? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was made easier moving with our friends that, yeah. that made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like when we were at, at Caris, I don't like at, at some point we needed to either like be all in, we're on this team and this is where we're going to be, or we're going to pursue some, some learning time. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to go mm-hmm. to Sojourn and just, be a part of what they were doing. And so, so that was kind of the decision, I guess. Um, it was hard moving away from family for sure. I mm-hmm. mean, I, at the same time that we moved, my youngest sister had just started college in Columbia. And so mm-hmm. timing wise, it was just rough. That mm-hmm. was really, really, that was a hard, mm-hmm. hard move for sure. But transitioning kind of slowly once we got there and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So you go on staff as an intern, Jeremy, and, and what was that like for you? Yeah, so that that transition was a little <clears throat> crazy. So I, I we got to Louisville. I had my first coffee meeting with Brian Howard, like the first or second week we were in town. And he was like, you know, the bad news is there's no internship program. Uh, we, <laughs> we just put that on the website to get guys to move here. And then we, you know, hope we'll figure something out when they get here. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't a total surprise. I had kind of started to figure that out just through the communication and, you know, talking to other people that had had moved there for an internship. So I was a little bit prepared for him to say that. Um, (laughs) And so he invited me to basically create my own internship. And so I pitched him, you know, this idea for a a 20 hour week internship where I was just cycling through different ministries over the course of 12 months and learning from different pastors and just serving anywhere and everywhere uh, that I could. And he, he liked the proposal and asked me, you know, could I could I convert this into an intern program for the church to adopt? <laughs> so literally my first assignment as an intern was to create the intern program. And this is all in, in August, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks of moving there. So I've got nothing else to do at this point. So I just work, you know, all day on this internship idea. And a couple of days later, email him a, you know, 15 page document with uh, uh, an intern program mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a couple days go by and Brian texts me and says, Hey, I know you're about to start another job. Don't start it. We're going to bring you on staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it. And uh, so I tried, I tried 
calling him and he was he was in a meeting or whatever. But when we finally connected, he said, you know, we're starting this J-Town campus. And I think they were maybe two weeks out from launching the campus mm-hmm. uh, and had no staff for it. So they wanted to bring me on board to help launch this this campus. And so that that church planning experience that I had was appealing to them. You know, we had mm-hmm. kind of been been through that. Um, it's very different when Sojourn starts a congregation uh, than, than normal church plant. But uh, a lot of the experience that we had was uh, really prepared us for that, mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. You know, back to that tactic of advertising <laughs> something you don't actually have. Is that <laughs> is that something you would recommend or duplicate? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if you've seen the Fire Festival documentary. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Whenever, whenever Ja rules, like, no, it's uh it's just false advertising. <laughs> like, okay, still wrong. Oh, it's perfect. But it, it worked out, man. It 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 worked out. Now, at the time, um, was J-Town their first planted congregation? No, they had started the East Campus a year before. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, so the year before was East Campus. 2010 was J-Town. Mm-hmm. And then I think 2011 was New Albany. Okay. So it was three and three years. So they had experience of planting congregations. You weren't coming into something that was you were having to fully construct from the ground up. Right. Right. Okay, right. great. So, but you're still stepping into a church that is planting congregations quickly. Yeah. And yeah. what was that, you know, that transition into that role of helping to plant that congregation, like, and that pace and that season? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. I still remember we had 342 people at the launch service, which mm-hmm. just blew my mind. And it felt like we had all this momentum and energy. Um, the Lord was was just bringing people in from the you know the craziest backgrounds, and uh, and it was it was one of the most exciting and, and fulfilling years I've I've ever had in in ministry and work. Uh, it just felt like everything was kind of moving downhill. And so I did community groups, uh, operations, leadership development, uh, kept running the intern program. It was just a really good feeling. Felt like everything was was clicking and each of my gifts were were being used in that season. So it was really hard work. I was working six full days a week, probably 10 hour days, and then, I don't know, two, three, four evenings a week as well. So yeah. probably 60 to 70 hours um, just on a, on a regular basis. How long did that season last? Of that pace, <laughs> it lasted longer than that year. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah. But so in so, J Town, it was one year. Yeah. So I think we were at J Town nine months. Okay. And in May the following year, so that would have been 2011, they brought me in, and and we we kind of knew that our our staff agreement was to help get J Town off the ground. So it wasn't really a long term position, um, but they they offered me a long-term position at our, our East congregation. Uh, and that was to be the executive pastor mm-hmm. with a sort of five-year minimum commitment, uh, like really go, go all in, mm-hmm. um, you know, buy a house, raise our kids in, in Louisville. And so we, uh, we made that decision and it, it really wasn't that hard. We felt like it was, it was just the next step for us and everything was, was going so well that, you know, we probably prayed about it and talked about it for an hour and we're like, all right, let's do it. This is a, this is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so you step into the East campus as the executive pastor. And yeah. um, at this point, it wasn't the biggest campus yet. Is that right? But it was growing uh, right. rapidly. Yeah. So it was, it was essentially this, the first campus off of Midtown. So the second congregation. Mm-hmm. And I think when I got there it was around 500 uh, mm-hmm. in attendance, just a year two years in, Mm -hmm. I think it was the fastest growing campus over Mm -hmm. the next four or five years. Mm -hmm. And so the pace of ministry that you just described of six day weeks, 10 hour days, you know, Mm -hmm. two to three nights out a week, that didn't slow down, I'm guessing. No, I I pretty much kept that up. uh, And I was doing seminary uh, as well, either in the evenings or online. And having Uh, little kids. Having little kids. Yeah. Yeah, We had Joseph in 09, Mm -hmm. uh, Jude in 11. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then Jack in 2014. So mm-hmm. we were right right in the thick of it. You know, we felt this tension that we had this incredible opportunity to do ministry in the way that we kind of always had dreamed of, 
and the Lord was doing such incredible things that it felt like you, you know, if you tried something, it, it would work. You know, there was a sense that if I, if I put in an extra two hours at the end of the day, there was going to be some real tangible spiritual fruit that resulted from those two hours. Mm-hmm. And so the, the part of me that's a, you know, kind of high uh, achiever mentality, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And that just totally fed into my, my kind of sense of fulfillment, you know, knowing that what I was doing mattered, but it also made it really hard to turn it off at the end of the day and to, to stop working, to not work on, you know, Saturday or Monday. And so at the same time, having, you know, having kids and buying our first home and not, not really having any family uh, system nearby to help out with kids and things like that. It, it was a lot. It was a lot. So it started to affect you physically and emotionally, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you describe that for those people who are listening? Yeah, man, we were probably a few years into our time at East. I I forget exactly when it was, but I just kept getting sick. I would get like the flu and be out for seven to 10 days, would be back for a month and then get something else. And um, I, I had struggled with chronic pain and fatigue and depression Uh, as early as high school. Um, But all that started coming back. The pain especially was really, really unusual. I I remember one, in one year, I think I saw like eight or nine different specialists all trying to figure out what the chronic pain was about. Mm -hmm. And and the one theme that was kind of consistent across those different specialties was like, we can't really find this, we think it's stress. You need to, I remember one doctor telling me, you need to eliminate stress from your life. And I was like, well, (laughs) which of our kids should we leave behind? Like, how do we do that? There was no really easy solution to doing that. Yeah. Um, Jesse, what were you kind of, uh, what were you seeing and what were you feeling in this season that was so overwhelmingly paced? I think similarly to what Jeremy said, just like, this is so exciting and so much is happening and I think just like as his partner, I was seeing like, he's like being like, he's like, like doing so well at what he's doing Mm -hmm. and like so gifted. So I just felt like in a lot of ways he was thriving Mm -hmm. in, in his role and in a lot of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And people were connecting with him and, and, you know, that was huge. And at the same time, then it kind of transitioned to us being in urgent care every other week and me being with our crazy kids. So, um, so that season shifted pretty significantly. Jeremy, you said this went on for about three to four years. Is that right? A pain and fatigue? Yeah. Yeah. And, in varying levels, um, we were always trying to get it figured out. I, I made some, I would say slight chance changes trying to scale back on work. We started meeting with a spiritual director, Rich Plass, um, people within Sojourn gave me a ton of uh, a ton of room to to recover and to find mm-hmm. a healthy pace of life and ministry, mm-hmm. and I, I really wanted to do that. You know, I think everything in us wanted to to find a way to to become really healthy. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot harder than we expected. That feeling of ha- having to to withdraw from ministry that was going to really help people was really really difficult for me. It felt like a, a significant loss. Mm-hmm. And so in the same time, we're, you know, in the spiritual direction and counseling, a lot of my sort of unaddressed wounds from earlier in life uh, were also coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And that, that seemed to be a part of the the chronic pain and the depression was this loss. I, I lost my brother when I was in high school. Well, I was 16 and he was 18 and he died in a car accident. And at the time, it was it was just brutally difficult. But maybe because I was a teenager, a guy, or just for whatever reason, I kind of just pushed it under the surface and never Mm -hmm. never really dealt with it in a complete way. And so I think a lot of that was sort of under the surface, um, trying to prove myself, trying to trying to do things really well, trying to hold it all together. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it it required learning a totally new way of doing life, and that Mm -hmm. that just doesn't happen overnight. Mm Well, let's, before we go there real quick, can you mm-hmm. maybe describe, you had this series of events that kind of culminated, it sounds like it culminated in addressing some of these deeper issues. Mm-hmm. We talked about these panic attacks and, yeah. and things like that. Would yeah. you mind describing that for some of these folks? Yeah. 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 So I'd say from like 2000, 
12 to 15, uh, I was mainly having, having chronic pain that I could, could work through. You know, it's like Jesse said, I was going to urgent care. I was trying to see all these doctors, but for the most part, I was still able to work a normal, a normal work week. And 2015 had been a really good year for, for Sojourn East. We had done this big, uh, capital campaign. And so I think it was January of 2016, we actually moved into this new facility. And so it was like this Sunday, there was a, a huge celebration Sunday. And I remember the, the first service of the morning, uh, the service began, you know, really exciting. And I was in my office on the couch, just like basically freaking out. I had no idea what was happening. It felt like a, a cross between a heart attack. All I knew is that it was something I had never experienced before. And it was mm-hmm. terrifying. Uh, I realized later that it was a panic attack, but at mm-hmm. the time I didn't, uh, I didn't know what that felt like. I'd never, never talked to somebody who had experienced it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I called Jesse and I'm, I'm basically like on the couch in the fetal position, crying, trying not to cry. And then basically as the service is wrapping up, like take a deep breath, go in there and go on stage and do announcements and benediction for mm-hmm. 500 adults or whatever. And then go back to my office and basically do the same thing for the rest of the morning. Mm-hmm. And so after that service, I went into to Kevin Jameson's office and kind of told him what had happened. He was like, I, I want you to call this, uh, this doctor. And wisely, he wouldn't let me leave his office until I got uh, uh, this, this great Christian doctor on the line and kind of explained to him what happened. And, and so that, that started a new season of really addressing my um, sort of propensity to overwork with the uh, you know, things that I hadn't addressed deep in my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was hitting the wall in a way that I'd never hit it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really started a new season in terms of health and, mm-hmm. uh, and life. Um, but it was, it got way, way harder before it got better. Yeah. Uh, so the next eight or nine months were, were the hardest thing I've ever been through in life. It was, uh, was a constant and, and complete depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for that whole time, I didn't, I didn't have uh, an experience of joy or happiness. Um, didn't have any satisfaction in life or family or ministry. Basically, it was just just darkness and just going through the routine, trying to figure out what to do, talking to a, a really wise counselor, meeting with the doctor, um, you know, checking in with the other sojourn guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just a a, a really difficult year. And I don't think I did a good job of even sharing with people how difficult it was. It was hard for me to admit how bad I was doing. And so that that was kind of like the breaking point and realizing that something something massive has to change or else we're, you know, we're not going to make it out of this year. Can you describe that darkness and that weight and that and that depression? Yeah, I mean it, you know, it felt like a total loss of motivation, loss of sort of mental clarity. Mm-hmm not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. Um, I had days that, that really felt, I don't know if I would say I was suicidal, but it felt like the best thing that could happen would be for me to die. You know, it was like, if, if I, if I could somehow just disappear and not come back, that would be the best thing for me right now. Um, and so it's hard to describe. It's, it's like a, like carrying a weight on your shoulders, except it's a weight on your heart. Mm -hmm. And nothing, nothing can help relieve that, that weight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had experienced that for a week or two at a time, um, but not month after month for, for almost a year. Man, what do you think, um, what do you think kept you from bringing that out into the open? I think I I did in, in bits and pieces, but my fear and I think bringing it out completely was just knowing that it, it could cost me you know, uh, my, my kind of role in the community. Uh, I've always over-identified with what I can do and, and who I am for other people. And so the ministry was, was part of that, but even, even deeper, it was just like, I, I like to be a person who's healthy. Uh, I've always been an active person, played sports, uh, my whole life. And I wanted to be a person who got things done and, and who could manage anything. And, and so, I was confronted with that and with the total inability to, to do those things. And, mm-hmm. and it was just not a, not a battle that was going to, going to end easily. Yeah.
when I hear your story and, and I think about the folks who are listening, um, I think about, you know, there's a good number of guys within Sojourn who came out of Mars Hill, um, mm-hmm. who, who would resonate with the aspects of your story where they felt like they, yeah. had, they had the wind at their back and they were putting wind mm-hmm. on the board and, um, and probably even felt a lot of the, the physical and, um, and psychological uh, experiences that you're describing. And I think about, you know, guys who are in the network or who are considering coming in the network who are coming out of Harvest Bible Chapel, who probably mm-hmm. also felt something similar. Yeah. And then I also think about guys who are probably listening to this who are in environments like that right now, um, mm-hmm. who don't have the language for it, who don't understand what's going on, or who think, I've got the wind at my back, what could possibly yeah. go wrong? Right, right. Um, <laughs> And so I think about all those people who are listening and I think it's helpful for them to hear someone who's been through it and to put language to it that they can either go, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. Mm-hmm. Or they can say, oh, I'm feeling that and I didn't know what that was, but maybe I'm experiencing something very similar to what, to mm-hmm. what Jeremy experienced. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's helpful as those people listen to hear there's, the situation is so nuanced, right? Like there's, yeah. you have a ministry yeah. that is doing wonderful things. You have a ministry that has an aspirational value of health that is That's right. on one yeah. hand a part of the problem and part of the solution. And you have right. and so you have the, the institutional cultural um issues that are both feeding the issue and, and helping you solve the issue. But then you also mm-hmm. have what you've already mentioned uh, of your own propensity to, you know, over-identify with your mm-hmm. role or your successes. And your propensity to do so at the expense of um, your own health or dealing yeah. with some very difficult things. You know, I mean, I, I talk right. to Plas regularly as well. And Plas, I, one thing Plas mm-hmm. said to me one time was like, the soul always finds a way. Like, it'll come yeah. out. It will find its way yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think as people listening to your story, I think it's helpful to hear all those components. Is there anything you'd want to, like, draw out in my description there of, of what's happening that you think would be helpful for people to hear? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish, uh, you know, it it has been a value of sojourns for, for a long time to, uh, you know, spiritual and emotional health, spiritual formation, uh, renewal as a way of life and ministry. Uh, that was all there. And it was there in my mind, too, but I don't think it had, had really sunk into my heart. And, um, you know, if there was if there was a way to have just read a book and experienced the transformation and then just snapped out of it. Like that would have been great. Um, but that just doesn't seem to be how, how the Lord works. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's much slower, it's much grittier. There's way more confusion and darkness than, than seems not only like there should be, but I mean, there were a lot of times where I felt like I didn't, I didn't know it was even possible for a Christian to experience this level of, of mental and emotional suffering. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't known somebody that had, had really been through that. And like you said, it's just so nuanced because at the same time, I'm also getting up and preaching and leading, you know, small group, uh, trainings and, and writing a lot and things like that. And that was all going really well. Uh, and so there was, I remember thinking like, you know, maybe if I, if I step totally out of my ministry position, all this will get easier. And yet at the same time, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know that that's true. And one of the only things that that does give me a little bit of joy in life is this ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I step out of that and my mental health doesn't get better, then I'm really screwed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember just feeling kind of stuck in that and talking to other guys and mentors about it. But yeah, there's just no, there's no like one solution that's going to work in every situation. Yeah. So you you reach this this point of having to face the things can't go on as they, as they are. Yeah. What do you, what do you do from there? Like, yeah. yeah. I remember sitting with, uh, Jessica and I were sitting with Rich and we were just in the middle of a conversation and, and he said, Hey, remind me where home is for you. And we said, uh, you know, like, do you mean St. Matthew's? What neighborhood do we live in? Or do you mean, is this like a theological point you're trying to make? Like we're, you know, we're not home yet, but we're on our way there. Yeah. He goes, no, no, no. You know, where, where are you from? Where's, where's home for you? And it was kind of this, like, we didn't really give a good answer. I I was born and raised in Kansas city. Jesse was born and raised in the St. Louis area. We spent all this time in Columbia. Uh, And then Rich just kind of said, you know, find out where home is and consider getting there as fast as possible. 
So if Louisville's home, you need to, to totally own it. Um, but if it's not, you, you've got some things to consider. Um, and so we had, had only kind of generally talked about making a big uh, life change at that point. But there was something that really connected with us about the idea of, of going home, uh, the idea of, of sort of coming home to ourselves in a, in a spiritual and emotional sense. Um, but it also sparked this kind of curiosity, like, man, what, what would be different if we actually physically moved home, like geographically moved back to Missouri? What, what would we say is home? Uh, and so that really turned, uh, turned the page for us and made us start thinking about what kind of big shifts do we need to make uh, in order to, to create a life that we can sustain uh, and, and a life of renewal uh, that we've, we've always aspired to, but never, never been willing to, at least for me, fully commit to. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what did that look like for you in, in those conversations uh, as you're considering, as you're seeing him struggling um, with uh, the depression and maybe anxiety, but just like the the effects of the, the pace that you've been living at for so long. And now this kind of shift to like, okay, wait, do we need to go to, to home? I'm, I'm curious what that looked yeah. like for you. Yeah. Well, there was this one, a, a Christmas morning in particular that stood out where I think God used his depression um, to kind of just like pry my hands off of the hope of Jeremy's health being what I could hope in. Um, And so in the midst of that season, that was like a lot of, I don't know, a lot of like how I experienced the depression and the fatigue and everything. I think that I just like, when we started talking about moving home, I wasn't prepared for what a relief it was going to feel like to the point where I just kind of like couldn't really put words to what that feeling would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing. And um, so we kind of just let that sit for a while. I did joke with Jeremy when we talked about like possibly moving, switching locations, doing something different. And it was like, it's going to be really easy because we only have one place that we're going to go. I'm not going to move <laughs> anywhere else. I will be living in the same city as my sisters, if we're going to do something. So just even in like being back in Missouri is really hard to kind of wrap my head around. So yeah, it just, it felt like a huge relief. And then it just felt like as soon as we started talking about it, like we couldn't get it out of our minds. Like it just was really interesting to me how God made it like this was working and this really fit to be in Louisville and we're all in, like, we're going to argue for this to be our home for the rest of our lives. And then when he shifted it, it was like, we couldn't, we couldn't go back. So Mm -hmm. that was really huge. Like the, that transition Mm -hmm. in our hearts for sure. Mm -hmm. Was it a relief for you, Jeremy? The thing for me was that we, when we were kind of faced with this, with this situation, like, do we, for me, it was like, do we keep things the way they are or do we make a huge change? And it wasn't initially clear what that huge change would be, you know, staying in Louisville and not doing vocational ministry uh, was something I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to do a, a reduced role in ministry or something like that was mm-hmm. something I was thinking about. But I think the first thing for me was just being able to totally release release what we had, had gotten accustomed to and to just kind of trust the Lord and say, whatever whatever you have for us, we're, we want to step into it and mm-hmm. we trust you. And if that means that I'm you know, not going to be a pastor at Sojourn anymore, if that means I'm not going to be a pastor at all anymore... Uh, we're we're willing to do that. We're willing to 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 trust you in that because what what we've been doing has not worked for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was the biggest relief. Was like we're we're finally willing to do whatever it takes to to follow the Lord and be healthy. Yeah, and I felt like we were really surprised by it. Like this isn't this was not on our radar for mm-hmm. such a long time. So for it to suddenly be like this is now what we're thinking about. I think a lot of our friends were really surprised and it really like looking back did just feel like the Lord was just shifting us and shifting where he wanted us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, you mentioned that when you finally made the decision to go plant in Columbia, you felt Mm -hmm. the weight lift. Could you describe that for folks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe just because of how, for us, how, for me, how, how immediate and, um, 
significant the shift was once once we fully committed to it and then told told our friends told our family um you know announced it to the church it really did feel like this huge weight lifted off of us uh for me for me certainly um and i don't think the you know the answer in in every difficult situation is just up and leave or like you always need to move home at a certain point but it was kind of this just like this huge this huge step of faith and it really felt like stepping out of the thing that had given me so much meaning and significance, both in a good way and in a really unhealthy way. And so there was no guarantee that going home was going to work out, no guarantee that church planting was going to work out, definitely not that it was going to be easy. It kind of felt like like leaping off into the abyss. And yet at the same time, that was like the most you know comforting, relieving thing that we could think of. Yeah. I mean... So I, kind of what you were just alluding to is that it, it might be tempting to someone who is listening, who is in the midst of either a, a set of circumstances similar to what you were describing in terms of uh, pace, work-life balance mm-hmm. and all of that, mm-hmm. or they could be just in a very difficult spot in their ministry, like maybe in a role that doesn't feel yeah. like it suits them or mm-hmm. the church that doesn't feel like it's doing the things they would like to see it to do, whatever. And they might be tempted to say, well, if I just change my circumstances, that will mm-hmm. solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned, um, unless you address this kind of underlying, um, yeah. these underlying issues in, in your heart, that actually mm-hmm. didn't, adr- the circumstances, changing the circumstances didn't, didn't solve it. Yeah. What, what were yeah. those things in your heart that, that, that kept you, you think, what were things that needed to change? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, nine times out of 10, I would tell somebody, you know, just, just stay, you know, you have deep work to do. You should stay where, you, where you've been and where you are to do that deep work. Mm-hmm. And so our, our situation was a little unique in, in that. Did you ask what were the things that needed to, to yeah. change? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, it was kind of an overall outlook of, of viewing myself as, you know, I'm defined by what I do, yeah. what I accomplish what people think of me, that needed to be stripped away. I don't know that that could have happened in the way that it has in the last few years if I was still at, at Sojourn and everything was going well and I, I was still kind of receiving you know, all this affirmation. I think giving up all that and, and moving home, nobody knows what Sojourn is here. That you know, That's not like a, a way to get, get respect in the community to yeah. tell them I worked for this church in Louisville. Nobody cares. And I'm, I'm starting from scratch for the most part, relationally and professionally. And I think that's been, been really humbling. I remember for the first few months here, I just kept telling people that I'd worked at Sojourn and like what the roles were there. And then I would realize like, I'm talking to the mailman right now. This guy does not care what I've done in ministry over yeah. the last seven years. Like I need to just let this go. Yeah. And it's, it's still, uh, I think, a challenge. Uh, you know, church planning still provides a lot of opportunity to, to justify yourself by, you know, measurable statistics. And mm-hmm. it's, that's probably going to be a lifelong challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving home has sort of given the opportunity to start fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a three-month sabbatical uh, between the time at Sojourn and church mm-hmm. planting. And so that was a way... Uh, to sort of mark the the change in seasons. I think mm-hmm. we needed that. Mm-hmm. And then to come out of that sabbatical saying, how do we how do we order our lives in such a way that we can do ministry and family and friendships uh, at a sustainable pace for the rest of our lives? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then church planning was just one one part of that. Mm-hmm. So church planning was had to fit into this overall desire to live close to the Lord and live at a sustainable rhythm of life. Let me ask you about how God met you in the midst of all of that, because something you mentioned, Jeremy, um, I think is true. Like we, we would theologically hold, you know, it's true that before a man uh, is ready to experience God's grace, he must despair of himself, right? Like we 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 say that yeah. we come to, we come empty-handed to any experience of of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we would say that theologically and like from a salvation perspective, Mm. but I think there's truth in that in the renewal perspective as well. Mm, Like you don't know how sweet renewal is or how much you need the renewal until you're willing to come Mm -hmm. to the end of yourself and abandon your self justification by what you do and what role you have and all of that stuff. So that's right. I'm curious what it looked like for God to meet you in, in that, in those dark periods and in this transition period. Yeah, it was a lot of, um, you know, pressing into the Psalms and recognizing how much of uh, the experience of faith is darkness, uh, is lament, is loss, grief, suffering, and that that's not an abnormal thing for the Christian. Uh, I think I had developed this mindset in life that it's, as long as you're following God and doing the right things, you won't really have to suffer that much. And that's just so, so untrue. Uh, And I think we know it's untrue, but it's still so tempting every time something gets hard to say, you know, what in the world is going on. Um, So I really had to, to reframe my, my walk with the Lord to, to see you are good. uh, Even when I'm not, experiencing you as good. Uh, I can still see your goodness and your love around me, even if I don't feel it in this moment. And where else would I go? You know, it's it's been this hard uh, even walking with you. What in the world would I do if I wasn't uh, walking with you? And so it was a lot of just kind of on my face praying, uh, a lot of time reading in, in the contemplative tradition and, and finding a lot of new authors and, and resources that could kind of help me at this this stage of my journey. And just realizing that like what got me to this point in my walk with the Lord and in life was not going to get me yeah. anywhere further. So why don't we turn to some of the correctives, right? So you come out of this season that, that's painful and difficult, but God meets you in the midst of it. And you guys mm-hmm. make this significant shift to make some of these changes. I'm, I'm curious, what were those practical changes that you made to your own lives personally and mm-hmm. the changes you made as you planted a church? Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the main themes of of our time previously was that we just had no margin. My mm-hmm. my calendar would be would be just totally maxed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any one little addition to the calendar would just would just kind of blow the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were living on a on a budget and yet kind of spending right to the maximum every month, and so we had no margin in our budget, and that was a source of stress. Relationally, we had so many relationships, but we were spread really thin. We had no margin relationally, mm-hmm. and so that was one of the big things: is like how do we how do we live with some some space around us? You know, even moving back to Columbia, Missouri, like this is a it's not a big town. It's one hundred and thirty thousand. It's a college town, but it's just a wide open space. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just coming back and and being surrounded by fields and big blue skies, yeah. and like we have a. Uh, you know, a good size yard. And there's this sense of, I think it's Psalm 31 that says, you have led me out to a spacious place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's something that we've, I feel like we've discovered here, but it's been through having to to recognize the the boundaries that God's put on our lives and say, you know, it's, it's good that these, uh, and that's Psalm 16, it, you know, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me, accepting the the place that God has us in life and then living within those within those fences without pressing up against them all the time. That's helpful. What about, what about you, Jesse? What were some of the practical correctives you guys put in place? I think a huge one was rhythms of both rest and activities. Like I think we both started to um, exercise a lot more than we had, um, which we talk about it a lot as like, man, it's funny. Your baseline kind of changes when you're used to working out or running or getting Mm -hmm. some space away. Um, I feel like we, we did a lot of that kind of intentionally when we moved. What about as far as ministry, you know, the rhythms you yeah. built in there? In, in terms of ministry rhythms, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I feel like we got really good at knowing our limits. So when we were hosting our group in our house, we would have conversations about like, is this still working? At what point would this be too much? And like, let's like together recognize like what would make it be too much or what what is life giving about having this group? So for a good chunk of time, it was like everything that happened in our church was in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just seeing like how does that work with our boys? We need to like you know 
pay attention to what they're doing when this amount of people is in our home. And um, I think we only had to do like one disaster weekend to mm-hmm. realize like that was too much. Yeah. Okay. Now we know we can't host somebody and then host like a breakfast the same day and, and just different things like that. I think a lot of the shared leadership has been really healthy. So like Jeremy working with a group of leaders in our church, um, I think has taken a ton of the pressure off where that might've at another point just been like, it's all up to you. And kind of just like knowing kind of what he had said earlier about just your identity being found in like what you can produce and do just kind of setting that up as a safeguard. Like it doesn't all come back to our performance Mm -hmm. or what we can achieve. Mm-hmm. Last year, in the first year of our, our church plan, I went through uh, Fellowship Associates, which I know you did as well. And yeah. that was uh, a really, really life-giving time, but it's also a pretty big time investment mm-hmm. uh, to, to do it well and to travel a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as we started that and realized that it was going to be so good for our souls, it actually made us slow down our church planning plans. Um, yeah. So we we totally pushed back our timeline on launching the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still doing doing a lot of work to meet with people and build relationships. I remember uh, Kevin Cauley talking about when he planted Redeemer Fellowship in Kansas City, how he met face-to-face with like 1,100 people before they launched the church. <laughs> and just thinking like, man, that's that's awesome. That's not that's not me. That's not where I'm at right now. That's not our, our family. <laughs> that's our whole city. <laughs> that's, our, that's our whole city for one thing. Um, so kind of being able to say like, okay, we want to meet with a ton of people outside the church. We want to, we want to, um, you know, see this church planted from unchurched people, mm-hmm. but that might take, you know, six years instead of six months. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be willing to, to grow more slowly. And so, for us just saying like two nights a week is all we can do ministry wise. Um, I don't do more than probably 20 hours a week with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything over about 20 hours a week with people is, is draining. Sunday alone is like eight hours. So that leaves like 12 hours of, you know, meetings that I have to be really, really intentional with. Mm-hmm. And then I do another, you know, 25 hours of, of work that's sermon prep and, you know, prepping for meetings and all different things. But Mm-hmm. Um, some of those, some of those boundaries we just had to set in place and, and stick to them and believe that they would lead us in a, in a good direction. That's great. That's really helpful. Is there any advice you'd give to folks who are listening, um, who are, you know, thinking about planting and thinking like, I, I do want to start from a position that, that really emphasizes, uh, health and like reasonable boundaries and limitations. Mm-hmm. Are there any particular pieces of advice you'd want to give them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, recognize your season of life. Uh, that's that's a huge thing. I don't think we mm-hmm. talk about a lot in, in the church planning world. Two church planners' lives can look totally different. So recognize mm-hmm. your season of life and re- embrace that reality. Be willing to move really slowly and build uh, a ton of relationships. You know, certainly within our in our network, we're very relational, very evangelistic. So just, you know, putting on a, a service and sending out 10,000 flyers is, is not really what we mean by church planting. No. Um, and so trusting that process, shared leadership, like Jesse said, has been a lifesaver for us. We, we actually didn't move forward with any church planning plans until we had put a volunteer team around us. Mm-hmm. So we recruited leaders before we did anything else, fundraising or mm-hmm. you know anything. And I, I really recommend that for somebody who's interested in church planning. If, if it takes you years to find other people to go with you, that's still a good, a good use of time. You yeah. know, I wouldn't just throw that aside and, and start anyway. Just decide what you're able to do and what you're not. Know that it's not going to work for everybody and you're going to let some people down, but uh, you're also doing really important work. And the most important thing of all is loving your family well, walking closely with the Lord and <laughs> setting yourself up for fruit, fruitfulness for the long haul. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jesse? Anything you'd want to say to them? I would say something that was hard for me would be just to be honest and realistic about what I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just like having some ongoing conversations between the two of us about our capacities, whether that's what we can do as a family, what our kids can do, what I can personally do, just being able to, as Jeremy's wife say, like, this is really great. I'm super encouraged. I'm so glad that this this growth is happening. However, I 
don't think we can do Sundays anymore at our house. Mm -hmm. I think something like that can be really challenging because Mm -hmm. um, there's a sense that it's like just, you know, pull it together for the team or figure out a way to make it happen. And, Mm -hmm. and sometimes in those conversations, we would realize like, well, our, our posture toward that gathering has been different. I've been picturing it as me being in charge of everything and having to make it feel hospitable and perfect, but that's not what we're going for. So just really having that conversation back and forth, I think has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. Lastly, how has Sojourn Network helped you guys as you're planting within this realm of of health and pacing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They sent us the Smiths. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So Casey Casey and Jess Jess have been (laughs) longtime friends of ours through Sojourn Church and Sojourn Network. And since Casey's been on staff, um, you know, we were keeping in touch and he was, they were all living down in Wichita at the time. Yeah. And, um, just God's, God's grace to us that they would, yeah. uh, would come up here and, and help us, uh, get Trinity off the ground and, and having Casey, Casey is as a pastor, you know, we tell people here, we have two pastors and yeah. he, he preaches on a regular basis. People mm-hmm. view him as a pastor yeah. and we always just talk about him as our, our family's pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that is a huge, huge blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of Sojourn Network as as an organization, it's <laughs> it's funny because I've we've been a part of it from the beginning. Uh, the very first Sojourn Network conference was like I think eight churches in 2010 or something like that. And so I, it's almost hard for me to recognize what Sojourn Network and what's not, just because it's such a, a deep. Uh, it, it really feels like family. Um, mm-hmm. Almost all of the pastors that I connect with on a regular basis are in Sojourn Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the people that I go to for help, um, for for strategic questions, for counsel, just administrative questions, like that's always somebody within Sojourn Network. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't imagine doing ministry outside of the network. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's possible, but we just haven't done it and don't have any plans to. Right. Florida's not too bad. Florida helps. Yeah. Florida helps. <laughs> yeah. Retreat's yeah. coming up next week and I think we're, we are yeah, counting days. down the days in total. We're, we're leaving on Sunday. It's like, we're going get us from to the beach. Easter to the airport and we're yeah. out of here. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Linemans, for your guys' time, uh, for sharing your story yeah. and, and for the role that you guys have played in Sojourn. I mean, from the very beginning, you've been a part of building it block by block, but also helping to cultivate that, that culture of rest uh, from the beginning. And so, uh, yeah, thank you guys for that. That guys like myself can come in years later, and guys who aren't even in yet can come in and, and be welcomed into a network that might offer them the the respite and the practical help to do that well. So, thank you guys for that. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and consider sharing about it on social media. This is Sojourn Network is a production of Narrativo Group. This episode was produced by Mike Cosper. It was recorded by Nick Bogardis. It was edited by Quinette Connor. It was mixed by TJ Hester. Our music is by Sojourn Music. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more episodes. See you soon.